Welcome everybody in to another episode of the Shake and Blake Show. Blake Crawford alongside John Grove as always live. Well, I'm not in my room, but um, I can't tell room. if John's in his room. I'm um, in my room. John is, yeah, trapped That's inside a pretty, of a prison. It has a pretty good background. Uh, Lots yeah, of yellow. There's a, just a plain wall right behind me. <laughs> Uh, it's, de- it's definitely a state-of-the-art type of view, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, it's spring break. Yeah, I'm in Newton, Kansas, um, just having a heck of a time. Um, as we're recording this, John, Railers. My, my birthday was yesterday. Um, Woo! Do you want to see what I got? What'd you get, buddy? All right, I'm not going to tell the people what it is. I just I want to get your reaction, because I think you're going to love it. <laughs> oh man well john as john tells me that i'm number one um i'm it's a with a certain finger with a certain finger oh yeah with a certain finger that's not his pointer finger um i got a chiefs super bowl 57 champs water bottle so it depends on your definition of of a pointing finger yeah (laughs) yeah it's the water bottle is as big as chiefs fans egos just so you can get it it's a pretty big water bottle um yep just just keep it up buddy just keep it up. <laughs> well as you can tell we're we got we just we're in a mood and we've got a great show lined up um we're gonna get a little sad and talk about the tcu game um talk about the big 12 tournament as a whole and then get into you know where k-state's at in the ncaa tournament which is just great to talk about and kind of you know how the big 12 is doing how it looks in the ncaa tournament as a whole and kind of you know where we see the tournament going but of course make sure you're following us on twitter at shake and blake 785 follow the podcast and leave a review wherever you are listening so it's crazy to think john this time last year we did a two-part episode and the first part was a bruce weber retrospective because he had just gotten fired um and to think to go from you know that last year to k-state being a three seed in the ncaa tournament is truly incredible um and, you know, what an accomplishment Jerome Chang and his staff and Marquise Nolanish Masood for recruiting everybody to make, you know, to get a three seed in the NCAA tournament your first year is incredible. But um, we'll get a little more positive in a second, but let's just take a couple minutes because, you know, this is a few days ago. We don't need to relish on it. But this TCU game, uh, you know, the um, quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament um, against six-seeded TCU, you know, K-State lost 80 to 67 um, one of the worst games K-State has played all year, um, just in terms of the quality of basketball that was played on the court. You know, TCU played really well. Give credit to them first. They were shooting the ball crazy hot. Chuck O'Bannon could not miss. Um, I mean, he was just lighting it up. He was 7-11 from the field. But, you know, that's not the reason we lost this game. We easily could have won this game, I think, if we just played a little bit better. I think, you know, Desi Sills was our leading scorer. It felt like he was the only one bringing energy. We turned it over 20 times. Keontae Johnson fouls out with what, like six minutes left or something. And it was just overall, you know, watching it at the control room at the Big 12 tournament was just very, very, very depressing. But now that we've had a few days, I don't feel I'm not as frustrated as I was at the time. But hopefully we can come back in the tournament with a bang. Well, I was just a few doors down uh, down from you. You were in the control room. I was in the radio booth for Wildcat 91.9. But 
I mean, you you mentioned it uh, from the top. TCU possibly had its best performance of the year. They led about every statistical category uh, in the contest. Uh, I mean, they were the worst three point sh- uh, three point shooting team in the Big Twelve and shot forty four percent on the night. Forty four percent and Chuck O'Bannon out of all the players. I mean, just kind of give him the format. He shoots it. It's like there's no way it's going in. But it just it was just clicking for him. He made eleven shots from distance all of conference play, and he made four uh, in the Big Twelve championship um, as well. But I think another thing to point out was just the work on the defensive glass. TCU had fourteen offensive rebounds, and um, it was fourteen offensive rebounds. What K State did did better overall in the rebounding spectrum. Uh, TCU did a better job when it came to the offensive rebounds leading to second chance points. And TCU had 25 of us second chance points. So it, it, it felt as if it was a little similar to the game in Fort Worth where the Horn Frogs, they had 14 offensive rebounds. Uh, they scored 20 points as well. So, uh, oh, and on top of that, just um, the continuation of what we're seeing in the turnovers. I don't know if it's just the, getting away from the friendly confines of Bramlage, but I mean, that, I mean, that just, it was pretty much the headline uh, heading into this matchup. Is K-State able to go and contain the ball control like they did? Um, uh, but then when they faced TCU at home, a lot, lot better than they did in Fort Worth. That didn't, uh, that didn't appear to be the case. Uh, they ended with 20 turnovers, um, uh, but, but all th- all but three K State players had a turnover in the game, and K State's now one and five, where they have nineteen or more turnovers uh, as well. Market and Marquis uh, also had five himself. So overall, just kind of a disappointing uh, performance in front of a really really good crowd in Kansas City. I mean, you want to talk about just some of the uh, large contingent of fans? It was pretty much the Iowa State KU fans that took over. Uh, the early shift, but then it was the K State. It was all K State and Purple, uh, who took over the late night shift. So, hopefully, um, if we can start winning some more games in Kansas City, which we haven't been able to for what it feels like forever, uh, then we can get a little more of a stronger K State presence uh, in the KC Metro, making the uh, Kansas City Chamber of Qua- uh, Commerce real satisfied. Yeah, I mean, we haven't made the Big Twelve tournament championship since. 2010 i believe 20, 2012 oh we made it in 2012 okay yeah that was bruce weber's first year okay yeah then 2012 and 2010 but yeah after that um yeah we we haven't really had a ton of luck and yeah can you talk about it? it was a really great crowd for the tcu game almost 17,500 people and most of them were in k-state purple i have to clarify because we were playing tcu but man it really was just kind of saddening to me when the next day, you know, watching the KU Iowa state game, that was such an awesome crowd for that game. Cause both of those teams travel so well and the energy was so awesome. Cause it was a really close game. It's, you know, for a decent part of the second half, I mean, you know, Iowa state took the lead and their fans all got up and I was like, and then, you know, KU fans would um, go crazy. And it's just like, this could have been us. Like this could have been us, been you know, the eight thirty game against Texas. But we just couldn't that, do our part. That is exactly how I feel almost every year, just seeing KU and Iowa State fans not just take over the T-Mobile Center, but take over the Power and Light District. And then on the final day as well, I mean, it was all crimson and blue. Like only 5% of the, of the arena consisted of Burn Orange and the Texas fans. Um, they came away happy. I mean, a lot of people 
uh, left within the five-minute mark, and we didn't see Shaq perform one of his most badass <laughs> DJ performances uh, of all time. But uh, it just if just missed opportunities here and there for K State, and I, I I guess really the one the one play that um, that really just uh, flipped the script. K State was down, I believe, two points and had the opportunity to tie. They were on a they were on a fast break, four on two. And Keontae Johnson passed it behind a Tyke Green. He turns the ball over. Uh, I mean, not, what what's new about that? TCU gets the TCU gets the ball. They're on a fast break, and they're able to connect on the uh, on on the other end uh, inside the hoop. While Marquise, uh, for so for some reason, he was just completely hugging him. And instead of a uh, an and one, uh, just for one free throw, TCU got the benefit of a flagrant foul by Marquise, and they were able to get the ball. So two free throws, uh, and then they were able to get the ball back, which really uh, just began to separate the uh, the game in general. So uh, just a rough outing for K State, um, and they 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 knew they should have they should have played a lot better. I I think um, there's there's a lot of pointing fingers that could have that could have made the case, but. Uh, at the end of the day, just just rough outing, and uh, uh, now they turn the script towards uh, next week in Gre- uh, this week in Greensboro. Yeah, there was just some silly mistakes in that game that you know was just totally uncharacteristic of K State, and for it to happen in the Big Twelve tournament was just very frustrating because I was really hoping we could you know put out a good performance in Kansas City. But John, you were obviously you mentioned it, you were at the Big Twelve tournament. Um, I wanted to ask you to get your thoughts on the official song of the Big 12 tournament, No Nights Off. I don't know if you heard part of it. Um, (laughs) For maybe maybe for the people who haven't, who weren't at the Big 12 tournament, maybe haven't heard it. I believe the first lyrics are like, you know, the Big 12, wherever the night's a battle to the end. The energy in T-Mobile Center on average is a 10. I don't remember the rest of the words, but... You know, my cringe rapping, I think, gets the point across to how kind of cringe it was. Um, I thought the chorus was nice, but I mean, yeah, I could respect the Big 12 for putting out a song. I don't know who wrote it, but. Well, I mean, Brett, you're my, well, I mean, we talked about this uh, back in the summer and hitting into football so, uh, football season, uh, kind of on a media spectrum where Brett Yormark wanted the conference to be younger, hipper, and cooler. Uh, to the to not just the overall fan uh audience, but the younger audience as well. They want to get with the times a little bit more compared to what the Big Twelve used to be. But um, uh, nonetheless, uh, that that rap, the uh, what was it, the rap, uh, no nights off. I I, I'm kind of a minority where I was, where I liked it. I didn't have too many complaints. I think they were kind of digging towards the Team Mobile Center a little bit, but. I mean, if they just had, if they didn't have a T-Mobile Center, they had like, uh, just like something that involves all the other Big Twelve venues, then I think they could have used it more often during, uh, used it more often during the, uh, Big Twelve regular season, which I thought would have been pretty cool. Um, but not, but I do agree. I I like the, the No Nights Off chorus as well. And on top of yeah. that, I mean, just just overall like I, well, well i guess another thing to point out is the big 12 eat stuff i mean the, the wabash cannon dog it looks so <laughs> it looks so disgusting man uh, I, I, it just looked like a raw hot dog 
surrounded uh, uh that had rotten bacon surrounded and it, it just it just looked absolutely disgusting uh they had some they had some other food options uh uh but texas uh what what was it the texas uh quesadilla was pretty good oh yeah uh, but West Virginia Mountain rolled, and what but the Mountaineer rolled didn't make its way to Kansas City. So, uh, yeah, just some of the fan experiences and uh, stuff and all that aside. Uh, well, I, I guess I I I, <laughs> I I came out with a little bit of uh of a rant after the game. I was like, oh my gosh, uh, our defense was kind of a, as as atrocious as the Wabash Cannon dog. I mean, I I'm sorry. <laughs> But well, Wabash Cannon Dog, I mean, I just haven't seen anything quite unpleasing as as that as that option of food uh, that I've ever seen in a long time. It was just blah. I, at blah. least we at least we tried to do something creative. I mean, like Baylor's was literally just a Dr Pepper float, but I mean, I guess that's guaranteed to be good. Um, the TCU loaded tots looked pretty good as well. Those look um, pretty good. Yeah, it was definitely a good idea. It's cool that the Big 12 is trying different stuff. Um, the media this year were actually on the seventh floor, you know, way up at the top instead of being courtside, to open up some courtside seats, not only to, you know, charge people more money, but I think the goal was to kind of have it be more of a, you know, a chance for some celebrities to come in. Fat Joe was at the at one of the games. Shaq was at the Big 12 championship. Yeah, Shaq was at the Big 12 championship. Um, so I think the goal is, you know, I, would, I think they were hoping some Chiefs players would come in, but uh, I don't know what they were up to. But and then and then they also have like the media, the media food, like where you where you go down and uh, get the some of the options for the media and the press. They have some <laughs> of the best roast beef and cheddar sandwiches I've ever tasted. <laughs> it's it's no knock towards Jimmy John's. But the the roast beef that I that I had in Kansas City, it is it is the possibly the best sandwich uh, I might have ever had, and I'm not even exaggerating. They added they had they had so much roast beef, they added a little bit of cheddar, and I guess maybe some butter, like some some butter as well. Uh, uh, I just kind of added the butter as uh to kind of fit along that. But the roast beef sandwich overall. It it was so good, and and I had two of them, and they just sat in my stomach real well. I didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about anything during the broadcast. Um, so, but but from a media, uh, from a media spectrum, it it was one of the best trips I've ever had. Uh, um, just wish the game could have been better. As yeah, well. they do treat the media pretty well. You missed out, John. On Friday, they had these like very had these um ice cream sandwiches it was like chateau i think was the name of the company they were given out they were very good they had a bunch of different flavors too it's s-h-a-t-t-o not sponsored or anything but they were very good um anyway how about we move on john i mean you know texas annihilated kansas in the big 12 um championship tournament um it was kind of shocking because I thought KU would look pretty well the entire time. They were taking care of business, but Texas just absolutely ran away with it. Um, but it, overall, in terms of the seating for the bracket, uh, the, the game didn't really change that much. Maybe it got KU out of the number one overall seed because that actually went to Alabama. And um, obviously, I'm sure KU fans are going to be a little frustrated because they didn't get the Midwest region. Um, so they're not going to be able to have the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight in kansas city that actually goes to houston 
who is the number one seed in the Midwest region. Um, KU is going to be out in Vegas um, if they make it to the Sweet 16. Um, but let's get let's get into this bracket, John. Let's talk about K State, which is great. We get to talk about K State in the NCAA tournament. Let's let's just not you know let's remember how awesome just that is in general because we've you know we didn't get to do it last year. Um, we're a three seed in the East region. We're playing in Greensboro, North Carolina. So no Des Moines or Denver, unfortunately. But you know, to be fair, we could we had the opportunity to pr- play our way into that opportunity, uh, into those towns, and we didn't. So I mean, we we don't really have anybody to blame but ourselves. Yeah. And on top of that, you had Marquette, Gonzaga, and Arizona winning their uh, conference titles, in which they are also pretty re- regionally close to Denver. Uh, I know Arizona, they're, they're going to Sacramento, but um, you had Gonzaga going to Denver, Marquette's going to Des Moines, both of them are conference champions, and they've been playing some hot basketball lately, so they, they kind of earned their earned their placement in the, in the standings. Yeah, so we're taking on, so we're in the East region, again, Greensboro, North Carolina, um, so we didn't, I think that's, I saw from Cole Manbeck on Twitter, so out of the top 16 seeds in the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament, we have to travel the farthest, a little over 1,100 miles. So quite a drive for K-State fans. Um, I don't know if there's any flights that go uh, to Charlotte of KCI or something. Um, so there's obviously a chance there. But we're taking on Montana State, the Bobcats, at a Bozeman, Wyoming, or a Montana. Um, it's, Montana and Wyoming can yeah. get very easily mixed up. Anyway, but especially um, in the Yellowstone region. Yeah. So um this is definitely be an interesting opportunity. If we were to beat Montana State, we play the winner of Kentucky and Providence. So an opportunity for a rematch of the 2018 Sweet 16 if both sides do their part, um, which is obviously not a guarantee. Um, because Montana State, they won the Big Sky conference. Um, and they're currently on they're on an eight-game winning streak going into the NCAA tournament. So this is a hot team. Um, they, they beat Weber state in double OT to get to the final and then beat Northern Arizona for the championship. So this is a team that's getting pretty hot. I know there's been some complaining on Twitter, not complaining, but some worrying that this is, you know, this is kind of a a tall Montana state team. Um, looking at their stats, I mean, they go to the free throw line almost more than any other team in the country. I think they're 11th in free throw attempts per game. And K-State's been known to kind of play some sloppy basketball and get guys in foul trouble. So we do, you know, we got to play some strong defense. Hopefully we get some referees that'll let us play and not kind of slow this game down. And we're able to, you know, get some missed shots, get out in space with Marquista while in transition. Because that's the key to winning this game is staying out of foul trouble and then, you know, keep beating a dead horse, but can't turn over the ball. Just got to play strong basketball and finish inside the paint. It felt like in the TCU game, every time Marquise Noel would drive, it felt like he was too scared to finish. He was always jumping. He looked like he was going to shoot, and they would pass it to somebody else. And that's where some of his turnovers came from. So, you know, he hit that one floater, I think, in the TCU game. I think that's something he could really incorporate into his game more because he shoots it pretty efficiently, just kind of anecdotally um, for what I've seen. And I think if they're going to keep playing drop coverage on him and he's, you know, he's not able to finish over those big guys, that's something he could really incorporate into his game. I mean, just kind of overall, just overall comparing the teams, K-State's a little more fast paced. And I agree with you. Marquis Noel is able to uh, create some more turnovers. If he's able to drive it into the paint, um, along with some of the uh, other players, such as Desi Sills, 
Tyke Green, if they're able to really keep up their pace, Montana State, they're, they're not overall a really fast team. They're, they're number 73 in, in office, uh, offense efficiency. Um, they're the um, – their one one of their key strengths is defensive rebounding uh and defending twos um but they're not a but they're not a really good three-point shooting team and i think if k-state's able to really a, able to execute beyond uh beyond the perimeter that could uh, that could get montana state and do um some trouble i guess i mean you you also mentioned they're also a pretty tall team um so k-state's gonna do their part getting inside but Overall, just kind of looking at it, uh, I mean, looking at Montana State, there's just nothing that that's really uh, eye popping. I guess maybe if it was a team like Vermont or Colgate uh, who also made a tournament, I guess you can see a few few more factors uh, here and there that could uh, that could cause for potential upset, and maybe it could still happen with Montana State because it's March. But overall, besides the uh, free throw shooting and and um, kind of uh, just kind of a defense inside the paint. Uh, there's nothing really all that impressive of Montana State, um, heading into this matchup. Yeah, just to clarify, you know, to get more specific on how tall they are, their three leading scores are all forwards. You know, they're six five, six nine, and six eight, including Raekwon Battle, who is actually, according to College Basketball Reference, a top one hundred recruit. Um, which which is pretty interesting to go to Bozeman. Uh, Montana, Montana of all places. We had to look up before the show. Me, uh, John asked if they had internet, so I think we had to make sure that they did, um, and they do. Um, and then their other two leading scorers, uh, Jarrell Bello, and his first name is Great. That's pretty awesome. I'm gonna. That's I think I'm gonna awesome. do that, John. A uh, great Ozabor. I can you imagine name my kid Awesome. That's. I think that's just name. His first name is just Awesome. He's just Awesome Crawford. That would be pretty cool. Anyway, he, they're both from I'm, England. I don't know. I'm not. I wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed, Blake. Well, what would you name your kid, John? Something lame, like uh, Bruce. Wow, you're <laughs> right there. Uh, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, well, I mean, first name. Uh, I don't care about the first name too often, but I definitely wouldn't name uh, have a last name uh, have that had Danny Sprinkle. Uh, oh yeah. Which I mean, no, no slides of a Montana State head coach. Uh, I mean, but Sprinkle. I mean, that that's kind of a that's kind of a weak sauce last name. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, my, I mean, you you want to talk about it? It just it kind of seems like with some of these teams, uh, and particularly in the Big Sky, their my their main priority is trying to get more of the big and physical type of guys, not the ones who are um kind of small and athletic, but they're one but um I know from the likes of Eastern Washington in the past when they had the Grove brothers uh, before they transferred to Oklahoma, and now you got Montana State with the three fours. It it's not necessarily the the F, the uh efficiency and um athleticism uh but i'm seeing for montana state and some of these other big sky schools but it's more of who can get more physical and create some more problems against some of the uh smaller players uh from k-state and potentially get marquise into trouble if he's driving inside and driving into the lane uh you um maybe there could be a certain time or two where uh you'll have a desi sills or keontae johnson trying to drive inside as well and 
maybe then Montana State will be able to uh, rack up uh, rack up some blocks and all that stuff and uh, get their own advantage and going inside as well. Yeah, let's go ahead and zoom out here. Let's talk about the region kind of as a whole, because because you've got uh, Purdue and you've got Marquette as your one and two seeds. Now, based on what I've seen, I know in the bracketology edition of ESPN, all I think all four analysts had, um, like had Marquette and Duke in their elite eight. Without it, like I think I saw somebody else have it today. See, people are riding the Duke wagon really hard because obviously they're a super hot team i think they've won eight or nine in a row won the acc tournament and they're a five seed so people really riding high on duke right now then marquette a team who absolutely destroyed xavier in the big east championship so they're playing pretty well as well a lot of people sleeping on purdue who's the one seed in the east region and uh, what they going on you know they're the big 10 champs as well but um i I don't know how do you feel about k-state's draw in terms of their um, competition in the east region well, yesterday I, I was filling up a bracket of Buffalo Wild Wings, and I, I was it was pretty easy to assume that K State was going to be a three seed um, when it was all said and done. Um, kind of, I mean, honestly, I was expecting. Uh, I mean, if Kentucky was not going to be in the first three regions along K State, but I was like, okay, uh, then it's going to be K State and Kentucky because it just seems like a coincidence that it's going to be K State and Kentucky uh, every year. Uh, in the in, in in any type of region, it's like Ross and Rachel from Friends. They they always they, they're always off those off at a, at one point, but then they're back in love at another point. It's I mean, if you watch Friends, you'll know what I'm what I what I mean. But uh, just kind of looking at some of these teams, top to bottom. Of course, you got Zach Ede of Purdue. Um, I watched him a little bit of a, in the Big Ten Championship. I mean, it's just not even fair. I mean, you can you can put three or four guys on him inside. And EJ, and EJ just puts it up uh, like it's no big deal at all. I mean, he is an absolute monster uh, for Purdue. Uh, and you also got a really hot Memphis team. They're coming off of a massive win over Houston. I understand Houston didn't have their leading score, but I mean, just to throttle Houston like that, uh, kind of down in their uh, near near their home court, I would say that's a big win for Memphis. Um, I mean, just some of the Blue Bloods as well. You got Duke. Kentucky and Michigan State uh, in the same region, and for Duke, Michigan, and none of those three teams rank inside the top four as well. Because Duke is a five seed, Kentucky's a six seed, Michigan State's a seven seed, uh, and meanwhile you have the likes of Marquette, K State, and Purdue on top. But I, I, I think just I don't know. I, I like to kind of take things um, for kind of like starting inner with. But K State Montana State because that's where where because that's gonna impact me. It's gonna impact K State. And then once Matt's all said and done, who's gonna win the next game? Uh, you got Kentucky and Oscar Sheebway uh, against I believe Bryce Thompson and Providence. I believe Thompson used to be from Kentucky. Oh no, Bryce Hopkins. Uh, Bryce Hopkins of Providence. He used to be at Kentucky. Um, he's averaging double figures for the Friars. They 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 managed to barely make it into the tournament as well. Um, but, uh, right after that, I mean, it it does not get any more easier. Well, I should say Kentucky, Kentucky is not going to be an easy matchup and neither will Providence. Um, but Marquette, they finished on top of a biggie standing shock smart. Um, 
really has really has his guys uh, reeling and dealing. They were preseason picked ninth in the Big East. They're averaging a whooping 80 per, points per game, uh, one of the best marks in the nation as well. Um, so just a lot of really good teams. Again, Duke is playing some of its best basketball. Uh, no better time to do it than the postseason uh, as well. Uh, I guess if it was an upset, uh, if I'd be looking at it and saying, okay, this is a strong possibility uh, of an upset uh, occurring here, I'd lean towards Louisiana uh, over Tennessee, the 13 over four. Um, they, uh, they, um, one of our uh, top leading scorers, Jordan Brown, is averaging 20 points per game. And Tennessee, um, based on what we've seen in the past, they've just not been able to perform to their highest standard of March. So just, uh, I don't know, just kind of some outside thoughts so far um, on the tournament. Uh, who knows, Michigan State could make some noise with um, Tom Izzo, Mark. But I would probably say out of all the teams who has the best chance to win the East, um, I'd lean towards uh, my top three teams would be Purdue, Marquette and Duke. Um, then I'd probably have likes of K State, Kentucky, uh, and Tennessee, and uh, and and uh, in the next tier as well. So it's it's a hectic region. I mean, it's not. At, I wouldn't say it's as hectic as the West region, um, just or uh, West region or the South region. But I mean, you got some really dangerous teams and a lot of historically good programs. Uh, who who has who has been successful uh, in in March Madness before, and they can be successful again. Yeah, you don't want to count out Kentucky, even though they're a six seed. I mean, you think twenty fourteen. I mean, they were an eight seed, and they went all the way to the national championship. You know, they beat Wichita State along the way, and they made that crazy run. You think what North Carolina did last year? It was not even in the tournament this year, and rejected their NIT bid because they're too good for that, obviously. Um, and you know, they made a run to um the national championship as well. And we all know what happened there. Um, but another team, you know, a lot of people are really high on Duke right now and what they can do, you know, riding the Duke wagon because they've always been great. You know, they made, they started off a little slow this year, but they're not really hot. Let's talk about Oral Roberts. Cause I think this is a Oral team Robert. that I think, you know, if they weren't playing Duke, a lot of people would like as a 12 seed to upset a five. I mean, you think Duke is on a hot streak right now um, winning eight in a row Oral Roberts has won 17 games in a row. They've won 30 games this season. And I mean, you just see a guy who's, you know, seven foot five, Connor Vanover, and their guard averages 22 points a game. Now, you know, again, I don't, do you know what conference Oral Roberts is in, John? They're, they're in the Summit League. They, okay. they blasted North Dakota State in the championship game. So, I mean, that's another team, you know, that you could consider on upset alert because that seems like I'm really excited for that game because that would be really fun. Um, let's go ahead and quickly, let's talk a little bit about what some other teams, big 12 teams have got going on. Cause we talked about KU's in the West region. Um, they've got some stuff competition. TCU is also in that region. And then they've got to deal with UCLA Gonzaga as the two and three seeds. Uh, Baylor's a three seed in the South region. They've got to deal with the number one overall seed, Alabama, if they want to get out of there, Texas is a two seed. It's crazy to think, John, if you include the new big 12, you know, you got two number one seeds, a two seed, and two three seeds. You know, that's uh, you know, like five of the top twelve teams or something in the entire country. The Big Twelve is just gonna keep getting it. Just you know, it just keeps getting better and better as they add new teams as well. So, um, overall, John, do you have any? Have you leaned towards any um, favorites? 
or anything uh, well, to, towards a national champion? Well, I think another thing to point out with uh, from a Big 12 standpoint is uh, West Virginia, and they're and they're currently the ninth seed. You took a you take a look at their non-conference resume, um, and I believe they're only uh, uh, I think one of their only losses in non-conference play was to Purdue. Um, but besides from that, they've looked really impressive during non-conference play. From, from what I've seen, they uh, handled Pittsburgh. Um, they they beat Auburn and Morgantown as well. I think, and and, and given how 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 impressive they've been offensively, uh, minus the KU game in the Big Twelve championship, if you have Eric Stevenson and Emmett Matthews Jr. playing at the hottest time for West Virginia, they could absolutely have an opportunity to upset Alabama. And it is the same Alabama team that's dealt with um, a, some Big 12 problems in the past, getting annihilated by Oklahoma as well. So I guess uh, that'd be one of, one of the potential upsets there. Um, in terms of who who I would have early on uh, in the – in terms of who I'd have in the Final Four – I haven't done my full bracket yet, but I lean towards, I'm I'm leaning towards Alabama, uh, Creighton, and Arizona likely as the top three teams, uh, coming out of the South region. Uh, if I look to the Midwest region, I'm really liking what Rodney Terry in Texas is doing right now. They're playing. I mean, they're, they they are probably the hottest basketball team of the country right now. If they're able to get out of a first weekend uh, against Texas A&M or Penn State. Uh, I think I think they have a, a a huge opportunity moving forward because they've shown they've won in in Kansas City before uh, in Iowa State. While they might get a home court advantage in Kansas City as well, um, Texas has proven time and time again uh, it could be at at their home court. It could be on the road court. Um, if they are on, if they have all if they have all players. Uh, connecting, um, then they have a strong shot at making it to the national championship. Um, let me see. The West region, UCLA has a few players down. I'm I'm not liking you, uh, their chances. I know they were real physical, um, gave Arizona a lot of problems in the factual championship. But I think, but I think overall, I, I and I can't believe I'm saying this, but the West region may run through Kansas and TCU. Um, just how good TCU was playing as well, and and looking at KU's region as well, Arkansas and Illinois, they are not, uh, I they are not easy second round matchups. I mean, you want to talk about Kentucky, uh, being a tough second round matchup for, uh, for K State or Providence, um, Arkansas and Illinois. I mean, you want, I mean, Arkansas was preseason picked as some of the top five teams in the country. Um, they're able to kind of get back up and going. Who knows what we're going to get with Brad Underwood. Uh, and Illinois. Um, so right now I'd probably lean towards KU and TCU and then the West, I mean, and then the East region. Um, I probably, I, pro- I, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of have to re- agree with the media here. If, if nobody else is contributing for Purdue besides uh, uh, Zach Eater, uh, uh, Zach Ede, um, then I think Duke, uh, Duke might be the team that comes out of, uh, comes out of a region uh, and, and Marquette and Kentucky might be coming in pretty close, but uh, I I say that all with 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 that being said, I think K State's going to uh, just completely savage uh, salvage the uh, East region, and they're going to win the national championship. Obviously, yeah. If you're following us on Twitter, 
you you saw that uh <laughs> I posted our fir- the first bracket I made obviously beat K-State beating KU in the national championship 90 to 0 um because that's obviously what's going to happen. Um you got to get I mean you got to get that out of the way just cuz you know if it happens you have to say, you know, I fill out a bracket with that happening. Um there's a couple other things you got to get to, you know. There's a, there's an opportunity for an all Big 12 final four which would obviously be fun. Um and, and you mean possible You'd guarantee to have K-State uh, in the East region, uh, representing the East region, because that's the only Big yeah. 12 team in, the, in that region. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, let me see here. Uh, there's only two There's only two teams uh, out of the Midwest, and they're kind of the same re- – uh, very kind of in the same 16 uh, uh, section with Iowa State and Texas there. So um, I think it's very possible that uh, – that we could have a strong presence in the Big 12 uh, in the Final Four. We've seen KU win a national championship, Baylor win a national championship. Texas Tech was a runner-up a few years back. Uh, heck, even if you want to throw the new squads, new Big 12 teams in, Houston, I mean, just think of the opportunity they have. If they're able to make it to the Final Four, that's practically, that's practically a home game because that's where the Final Four resides in, down in NRG Stadium. So uh, another huge opportunity for them. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're able to do in the Big 12. Um, uh, so it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. It, I mean, it's always fun. I mean, the, the top 64 teams doing it out every year, and it's it's great to see K-State back in the field 64. Happy to happy for Jerome Ting and company. Uh, happy for the K-State fans after having, having no tournament fun throughout the past two to three years. And I guess probably four years since we lost to UC Irvine uh, in that in the in the first in the first game, which I, I should bring up another thing as well. Every time we're ranked in the top four, we always get bounced in the first round by a team wearing blue and gold. Montana State is blue and gold. <laughs> uh, so I, from a color standpoint, I am not looking forward to this matchup of Montana State, but. Overall, it's it's just going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what happens on Friday. Yeah, the March Madness is just always so much fun. There's always so many great stories, so many awesome upsets that you is just it's a hundred percent unique to college basketball and something you don't really see in in any other sport due to you know the format of how they usually do their playoff. Um, I was uh, I was looking in 2010 to see um, who we beat in the first round to see if they were blue and gold, but it was North Texas. So yeah, we'll have to break the blue and gold curse on Friday at 8:40 p.m. Central Time, 9:40 Eastern. So a big <laughs> K State after dark energy. K State after dark energy. I mean, it probably helps that you have Montana State, who's in the Mountain Time Zone. Yeah, uh, get you that late night slot. So. I mean, even even then, it's kind of weird because you got. I mean, instead of throwing a a bone for teams like Vermont or Colgate, they don't. They wouldn't have to travel too far down to Greensboro. You have Montana State coming all the way out west, uh, in the mountains. They're going all the way to Greensboro, so that's going to be a heavy, uh, travel lag for um, for Montana uh, for Montana State and. Uh, I guess another thing to point out as well, um, you're you're playing home, you're playing away from home. It's a neutral side game, but it's going to be a pro blue crowd. I mean, it's going to be a pretty much a pro. Uh, but if you're able to make it to the second round, 
uh, you might get a pro all around pro blue, big blue nation crowd with Kentucky. So, um, it, it's going to be, uh, it's, it, you got to take a one game at a time. Uh, I mean, you got to get through Montana state. That's the first thing, uh, on the list. And the next thing, you know, uh, you'll get either Kentucky or Providence right after that. Yep. One more thing to talk about on the tournament before we talk about other K-State sports real quick before we get out of here. Obviously, seven Big 12 teams made the NCAA tournament. There was expecting eight. Oklahoma State was the first team out of the NCAA tournament, so pretty brutal for our um, Cowpoke friends. Uh, I mean, Jerome Tang was pretty brutal to Nevada, who was the last team in. Um, saying, you know, because we K-State has played both teams and he's like, Oklahoma State is way better than Nevada. But I know the um, the selection committee chair, you know, it was like Oklahoma State had 18 opportunities to get quad one wins and they went six and 12 in a quad one. That's like, I mean, you're going to punish them for, I know the record wasn't great, but man, I just, I feel bad for Oklahoma State. It feels like they oh. got done. They did end the season really poorly, but it's it's just it's just tough for them. And they had a lot of opportunities to to win down the stretch, and especially at home when they had a big lead against K-State and Stillwater before Jerome Tang got teed up and everything uh, changed then. You also had an opportunity to win in Stillwater against Baylor uh, as well. So, uh, man, I mean, there might not be an organization that uh, that drops the hammer on Oklahoma State more than the NCAA. I mean, first, they, they, they ban them. Uh, last year because of the because of the entire coaches situation with uh the money and the and, and all that jazz and then a year later Oklahoma State's uh stand, uh sitting there uh, as the first team out of a tournament so um so, sorry to my friends down in Stillwater but I mean you, you just got to perform uh you just got to perform late in the season and while we did get a few pretty good wins especially down in Lubbock. Uh, during the last game of a regular season, I mean, you, you just gotta win a few more games. I mean, that's that's that that's that's how it is. Yep. Let's cover some K State women's basketball and baseball, real quick, John. The K State women's team in the Big Twelve tournament were able to beat Texas Tech, um, and then they played Texas the next day. They actually had a lead of a, like you know they're up sixteen to eight on Texas, and then Texas did Texas things, and it was you know forty one twenty one, and you know they ended up cruising for a. A pretty big victory, but um, K-State women's basketball team is in the WNIT. They will be hosting um, in, it'll be in Bramlage Coliseum. They'll be taking on, uh, you know, a nearby foe, Wichita State, Thursday at 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus or in Bramlage Coliseum, if you'd like to show up there. Um, then for the baseball team, they took down Youngstown State. They swept. They've continued to play really well at home. Uh, they mercy rolled Youngstown State on Sunday. So great for them to kind of get their momentum back and continue to defend their home field. Ten runs in the third inning. Uh, I mean, just an absolutely all-round, really good performance. Uh, a, a really a really good performance as well from Mason Buss. He did a, he did a great job um, coming in uh, for his teammate who eventually had to go out at, uh, pitching pitching for a while. So, um, good, good performance on his part. Uh, just overall a dominating uh, series against Youngstown State. They played Creighton uh, on Wednesday in Omaha uh, before playing uh, their first Big 12 series against Baylor uh, down in Waco this weekend. 
Yep, so that'll be interesting to see what they do there. So that's going to do it for us here, the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. Again, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Shake and Blake 785. The link is in the description of the episode. And follow the podcast and leave a review if you're so inclined. Um, I think we'll try to be back Saturday if we can try to post an episode after the K-State game. Record something in the morning and then post it out in the afternoon. So stay on the lookout for that. Again, we'll keep you updated on Twitter. But that's going to do it for us here. So Cats by 90. That's my 90. E-ball. <laughs> <laughs>